think we all know plagiarism is wrong, so how do so many students get caught out by it? Turns out it can be very easy to accidentally plagiarize if you're not familiar with all of the rules. So this week, we're diving into everything you need to know about it and of course, how to avoid it. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Aaron and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Julia. Hello. And this week we are talking about plagiarism, specifically uh, accidental plagiarism, right? That's right. And it was an idea that was aired by one of our listeners and also from our own experiences supervising students. I think they often worry about um, accidentally plagiarize. And I think that's also something that I was very scared of, especially in my master's. Um, And yeah, so... That's what we're going to cover today. Yeah, and it's this whole idea of accidental plagiarism. It's really surprising just how often these issues can come up, mm. um, you know, in our reviews of work and also, you know, when we supervise. So it's really important to get those basics right. Uh, so, you know, what is plagiarism, right? So, you know, had, you know, to take the old... Um, the old sort of cliche of defining from the dictionary. The Oxford Dictionary defines plagiarism as the practice of taking someone else's work or ideas and passing them off as your own, right? And so really at its core, it's sort of making sure that in the work that you do, you know, every idea that's not yours is referenced and paraphrased, right? So you, you put that idea in different words uh, or in direct quotes. And, you know, there are some rules that go along with direct quotes. Um, and, and this is the, another key thing, in addition to that, is that you use several sources rather than citing from one source continuously, right? And if you do those things at its core, then you generally will avoid it. Um, True, but yeah, there's also another type of plagiarism, which I think I only really became aware of it in my PhD, um, and that is self-plagiarism. And so that's when you reuse your own words that you have previously submitted. So I think in my master's, it wasn't that much of of a worry for me. I wasn't aware of that because I hadn't at this point submitted any papers before. So... um, yeah, there was nothing of uh, of Julia Gully published in this world. But then, of course, when it came to the PhD, you have um, written like um, journal papers, and then I think yeah, it just I got really confused about what what you're allowed and what you're not allowed to do. Yeah, and you know, at its core, you know, plagiarism and self plagiarism is a pretty serious thing, right? You know, at you know, sort of use the dramatic wording, it's really failing the kind of academic integrity, right? And it's something you just you just mm. cannot do, and. This whole idea of accidental plagiarism, or sorry, of self-plagiarism, um, it's actually really surprising, right? Because it, I just heard the other day of a colleague's friend who failed their masters uh, because they self-plagiarized, mm. and you know, completely accidental. Um, they had no idea that that was particularly wrong, right? And they didn't even copy the entire paper that they had published; they'd just taken sections of it. Um, but that was it, right? Mm. And and it went to a uh, tribunal, a kind of hearing, and they said, well, you know, it's plagiarized, so technically we can't pass you. And I, you know, mm. so really important to be aware of these skills. Yeah, and in Germany, actually, there was a minister once, and he he lost his doctor title, and had to resign as well because it was found that he had plagiarized uh, in his PhD thesis. So. Listen up today. <laughs> yes, exactly. Don't want to be in that situation. You don't want to be that person who loses mm. their title. No. And I think yeah, nowadays universities use very special software to detect um, plagiarism, so there's really no no hiding. That's right. And you know, later on in the episode, we're going to talk in more detail about safe pl- play 
plagiarism <laughs> uh, and also the kind of software and things that are used. So we'll give a lot of advice about that. So stick around to the end of the episode. But for now, let's now talk about some tips for avoiding plagiarism. So let's talk about some tips for avoiding plagiarism. And really, one of the key tips is mastering the art of paraphrasing, right? Mm. Yes, and at the beginning of my PhD, um, to be honest, I found it quite difficult to paraphrase immediately um, because, yeah, English is not my first language. Um, so to directly rephrase something um, while I was like gathering literature and starting my writing, I found it quite difficult. So what I did initially was that I sometimes copy text into my draft um, and then straight away put it into quotation marks, everything that I had copied with the reference. Um, and then I highlighted the section. So I knew, okay, this one, this bit I just copied, I have to go over that again and rephrase and think uh, how it uh, fits in best. But I had like it clearly highlighted as something that is was not written by me and I had the reference there. Because um, often I've, when my students do similar things or they, they might already rephrase something, but they don't have the reference in there. They say, oh, I will. Don't worry about um, I will all add all the references later. And I think, no, that's mm, a no go for me yeah. because you might forget the source um, and then you have to look for this paper again, which can be really fr frustrating or you forget um um, in total like to just uh, look up the source again so no <laughs> directly if you find something if you can't rephrase it just put it in but always at the reference yeah and hey, look the thesis is a long document so you know if you do that and then yeah. you come back it just to adds it up. months later you'll definitely forget That's so right. really want to avoid that so mm. yeah interesting method that you are you, you yeah. literally copy it but then I put a good reminder in to edit it later Exactly, but I think then the more um, I got used to writing and the more I did it, then the easier it became as well to paraphrase on the go. So I think it's really all about practice, isn't it? Um, yeah, And um, so, yeah, don't be disheartened. If it, it feels difficult at the beginning, it will get easier with time. Yes, and, you know, other ways is it can be helpful to also try rephrasing it out loud by speaking it, you know, so change the language and, and think about how you would explain the sentence to a child, maybe, you know, this helps really sort of strip back that complexity of the sentence, which would either be, you know, which would otherwise be quite difficult to reword. So you're basically taking it and thinking, okay, if I had to explain this to someone who's not technical, mm. um, how would I rephrase it? And then in that process, you're kind of simplifying it and then actually getting the core information out of it. And of course, you know, don't ever be afraid to ask colleagues if to, to help if you're struggling. Um, and of course, you know, once you get more writing practice, you'll start learning paraphrasing mm. on the go, right? So there are some really good uh, tips that I found on how to paraphrase. And, you know, in the spirit of not plagiarizing, uh, this is from a fantastic site by UCL. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes or in the podcast uh, episode description to this website but UCL have done a fantastic job here and they've kind of listed the steps of how to paraphrase so number one is to when you read something you know think about what the key takeaway message is that you want to write about right uh, number two is then to change the order of the ideas and the words so really think about how can you present the ideas differently uh, what are the key ideas you want to take out of that change the word form and the grammatical form if necessary uh, is step three and then step four is really to think about synonyms if appropriate but of course if there's any specific terminology you know specific 
technical terminology and of course you can't change that uh, but you know if there are any other words that need changing that's something mm. you can change uh, and of course the best place to find suitable synonyms is elsewhere in the article mm. so you can look around and find other places in the article other words that they use and you can use that to begin to learn to paraphrase and Here's an example which I took from my own thesis. So the original to this is driver expectations of capability of the capability of an automated system uh, affects their information preferences. Two groups were defined, um, which highlight the importance of designing an interface that accommodates different user perceptions. Right. So this is the original. And then the paraphrase is that you could say something like, you know, accounting for different user perceptions is key with two distinct groups being identified in the work by Ola Hannan 2020. Uh, which had implications for the information they wanted inside the vehicle. Uh, this means that interfaces need to be dynamic in their presentation of information. So we've changed the idea of the words. Uh, we've used word and different synonym forms, right? So we used instead of saying accommodates different user perceptions, we said accounting for different perceptions. Um, you know, we've added extra information as well. So we've added our own kind of um, interpretation there, right? That bit at the end about this means that interfaces need to be dynamic mm. so we've done a whole bunch of things there which really take the original sentence and then we've added our own idea to it while still keeping true to the original author's work and properly mm. referencing them so again fantastic resource on ucl they've got loads of examples there very very good link to check out as well i also feel like when you're you're ready to paraphrase when you've really digested the content of of what you want to say and i think that's you said you mentioned like yeah think about what the key takeaway is i think for me that's really when i've really absorbed the information then it actually is much easier to to write about it freely yeah, um because absolutely. it's just if you were presenting it to your supervisor trying to make a point and um only once you have really absorbed the information is it easy to talk about it freely like you would at a dinner party or yeah that that's how you should think about it when you're writing your your drafts i guess yeah absolutely right so you know let's talk about some other you know further tips mm -hmm. and you know sometimes you can't really paraphrase and you need to take a direct quote right and in this case you have to put that direct quote in uh, quotation marks and the general rule is that if you have word orders that are staying the same so if you have three words uh, three or more consecutive words which are the same then you need to use quotation marks so that's the general rule um, mm -hmm. and then when you do use um, direct quotes I would be very selective about this um, we've seen examples of where you know students have used direct quotes everywhere and that really kind of defeats the point so it has to be a real genuine case where sort of exact mm. wording adds value that there is no paraphrase that would do that justice so really be selective about it and of course when you reference it you have to add the page number to the reference as well and I had a look at our joint um, paper that we um published recently and um, we we used a, a one direct quote in there actually and it was um the topic was about um, the value of integration different components and the um also that we cited or the quote that we took was that um, integration um leads to being greater than the sum of the parts and i think we couldn't just found or like the the communication of that is so effective that we decided to keep that wording exactly as it is but yeah we put it in quotation marks and we referenced it that's a great example from our own work so there you go <laughs> we did it correctly because i found it difficult to say actually when 
or to explain when should you yeah, put in exactly. something in direct quotes so yeah so it's yeah it's not a something that's not allowed but mm. definitely use it with a lot of discretion yeah. and mm. be very very selective about it and use those rules um as we as we described uh generally with a paraphrase as well very good practice to repeat the author's name um throughout kind of what you're saying so that you, you know that you're still reading a paraphrase and i think that's very very important to do because again you don't want to be talking about a particular paper and you this might be the case where there's a particular paper that's completely seminal in your area which is really the one that explains it the best and there aren't really any other references that can come in to support that mm -hmm. so if you're continuing to talk about that particular paper make sure that you reference it yeah. again in that paragraph and i see that often actually with students that um their quote yeah continue, as you said continuously from one source and at some point they just stop indicating I'm, i'm not sure and i always put a comment there wait is that still is that your own opinion or are we talking still about this one source like where's that coming from so yeah definitely important that that's really clear Yeah, exactly. And I guess it's also really important, again, you sort of alluded to this a little bit earlier about kind of keeping track of your references and things, but it's also important I guess, to keep the author name and the page number in your mm -hmm. records, right? That's true, yeah. And not only if, if in your sentences that you write, but also don't forget it when you're reusing figures or tables from other sources. I think that's often forgotten. And then it's particularly important to keep track of the page number as well, right? So if you um, use reuse a figure from a different um, author, then definitely indicate it for where is it coming from and also on which page number could you find that. Yeah, really good tip about using the page number. So... That is a quite a comprehensive look at paraphrasing, which we think is really one of the most, you know, strongest ways you can, or strongest methods you can employ to avoid ending up in this plagiarism trap. So let's now talk about the other aspects of that, which again, we alluded to a little bit earlier on, but about using a range of sources. So let's talk about using a range of sources, which again is one of those things that we've seen a lot of where there's this heavy reliance on sort of single sources of information, which again can lead you down that trap of plagiarism. And anyway, it's really important for an academic work that you use a range of different sources, right? Yes. And to be honest, even um, when we were taught how to supervise students, I remember in the tutorials, they also said, like, sometimes start and look at the reference list, like, see whether there are enough references there, because it mm, just shows that yeah. you have read widely. So I think, yeah, that's that's really important. Read widely so that you can formulate your own opinions. Um, and often what I see is that students, they just list paper after, like, Some only use one paper that they use consistently or there are some that um, use different papers, which is great, but then they don't um, really synthesize them or summarize them. They just list, okay, this paper said this, this paper said this, but what we want to see is really that you synthesize it, right? That you bring the ideas together or summarize what's being said. And this will make it much easier as well to um, avoid plagiarism because yeah. then if you're summarizing with, you're already using your own words, right? To go through that effort when you're going through that effort yeah really good so it's, yeah really bring ideas together with your own original thoughts yeah it's a really good point around synthesis and it's that it's showing that academic maturity and using a range of sources as you say is that evidence of that um, and so here's some you know good tips if you're a little bit stuck on how to grow your reference list you know one of the easiest ways is to look at the reference list 
of the paper that you're citing, right? And see what papers they are citing. Uh, and then on the other side of that is that you can use things like Google Scholar and you can use the uh, link. So whenever you have a search result, there's a little link at the bottom of that paper called related articles. And so you can then see which articles are then referencing that paper. So you can basically build your source of references from both those that cite the one that you're reading and also the one, the papers that that paper is citing, right? <laughs> so you can get a real development of your reference list on kind of both sides, which is really, uh, really powerful. And there are some great AI tools as well. I think we're going to have a uh, little spoiler, a little future episode on of how to PhD. We'll be looking at these AI tools because there's some really fantastic ones out there. But um, as a little kind of teaser to the future, there's one called uh, typeset.io, which was originally called SciSpace. So S-C-I-S-P-A-C-E. Um, and that one does a great job of summarizing a lot of papers very quickly for you. So basically you put in your search terms and it gives you a list of papers with a little summary. Again, very good way to build up your source list and find other journals which you can sort of rely on to, to build up that range of sources that you're using. And I think on your PhD topic, there were not that many journal papers published that, right? So you also used other sources of literature right, to increase. Yeah, really good point. Yeah. So things like trade journals, uh, magazines. So if you're really struggling to find those academic sources, which, you know, in some fields is, is very difficult because you might just be working in something that's really new. So you know, on average, it takes like a year for an academic publication. So it might just not be the case that there's those journals. So yeah, really good point. Use those other sources if you're stuck. They can be especially trade journals. Um, while they're not as academically rigorous, certainly they are just as valuable. And again, if you make that argument that you don't have the academic journals to build up your literature sources, mm -hmm. then using that is absolutely fine. And you're not going to get any, you know, uh, pushback um, from you know, your examiners, if you're using those kinds of things to, to build up your argument. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And um, it's really important, we have to say that again and again and again, but yeah, to manage your sources and reference as well is really essential. So there are so many different options, how to do that using Mendeley, EndNote, PaperPile. Um, and you can also consider those with CloudSync options if you work from different devices. Um, so it's all about minimizing really the risk of quoting or using words that you have properly, um, that have properly references. Yeah. Um, and what I was going to say as well is that sometimes it's really obvious when students um, do not rephrase, paraphrase, but um, just copy text in. I It's quite um, obvious and what I sometimes do if I have a feeling wait hang on this does not really sound my, like my student I think everybody has develops their own writing language if that makes sense so mm. sometimes I just copy a sentence or so from when they have submitted an essay and put that into Google and it's shocking <laughs> it will quickly come up so yeah really try to avoid um, or not try do avoid plagiarism <laughs> yes yeah so uh that's a really comprehensive look at the kind of traditional plagiarism or what we usually think of as plagiarism. And now let's talk a little bit about the dreaded self-plagiarizing. So let's talk a little bit about that dreaded self-plagiarizing. And Julia, this can be quite a confusing thing to get your head around, right? Yeah, so in my PhD, I hadn't had anything published previously, so I wasn't 
really worried about like where could I self-plagiarize anything from but I think um, later or when I was writing up my thesis um, we started debating in the office um, some of us had uh, published there for example the systematic reviews already and then we were discussing can we actually put um, our journal paper into the thesis or not and my supervisor's mm. advice was for me not to do that, um, not only because of self-plagiarism, but also just to have more space um, to explain my methods and my thesis because um, the papers were, were published in the journals. It was quite a short word count, so there wasn't really space to, ex to expand on it. But yeah, that started the whole um, discussion about self-plagiarism and made me look more into it so yeah exactly now i mean i guess technically it's allowed mm. if you're doing specifically a phd by publication then it of course that by definition is going to be things that you've published are going to be in your thesis so that's kind of an exception to this rule of self-plagiarizing but of course you know it has to be indicated mm. very clearly that this is a published bit of work so yeah. really self-plagiarizing is less about stealing the work because you could just say well it's my own work like what's the big deal mm. right i wrote it but it's more about sort of passing off your old ideas and claiming them as a new one right mm. and this is kind of where the referencing kind of solves that because you're kind of claiming hey look it's it is actually old work and so there's some really good guidelines to try and wrap your head around this and uh, it's from a paper by uh, miguel roig 2006 uh, which again referencing properly as we do um, and this this author did a really good job of kind of summarizing what self-plagiarizing is so really it's essentially any work that's already been disseminated in some significant way so usually that means you know published in another journal presented at a conference even posted on the internet so really you've got to really clearly indicate what is the work that you're referencing you know as as your own work um, and kind of the nature of the previous dissemination so that's what you do with a reference right that's exactly what a reference does but it gets interesting with this right so you know another guideline is that you shouldn't try to split up your study and get multiple publications from this now i'm i'm i think i'm guilty of doing something very similar to this um but we did add like a little bit of element of extra analysis but essentially if you do a complex study like a really large study, um, which is really best presented as a single sort of cohesive whole, um, then you shouldn't be partitioning it into individual papers. And this is what, again, I think this is less of a kind of, you're going to get in trouble for plagiarizing, but it's more of an ethical thing. And so really, if there's any kind of old data that you're using in a new publication, which you're kind of just slightly tweaking and maybe doing a little bit of extra analysis on, then you can't really justify that as a new piece of work. And again, it's veering into the territory of self-plagiarizing. But if you have old data, but you have a totally new way of analyzing it and a new method. And, and you research, I think it goes all back to the research question. Exactly, if it's yeah. a distinct research question, then I would think that that then it's a different idea and... Um, a different purpose to get another publication yeah yeah absolutely yeah really good point yeah exactly that so again it's not i guess it's you're not going to get completely caught out because likely it's going to be different wording but it's more of a kind of academic integrity issue mm -hmm. and sometimes you know you can be called out you know by a journal if they say oh if you submit to a journal, they say, oh, well, this looks like very similar mm. data to what you've done previously and there's no new research question and you've just added maybe some new stats. 
not good mm. okay um but again you know this kind of highlights just how nuanced self-plagiarizing can be sometimes and how some people can get into trouble but hopefully again the golden rule of plagiarizing um just reference as long as you reference and paraphrase properly and just be open about the work that you're talking about you're not going to run into any issues and i think that's the the absolute core of it so let's wrap up this episode with a little talk about plagiarism checkers so let's talk a little bit about plagiarism checkers now you might have seen these as a kind of solution to solving plagiarism you can guarantee that you're not going to get in trouble by checking it right and checking through the system and it will do that job for you um but we have kind of mixed thoughts about this don't we julia Yes. Um, so in my master's, um, I that was the first time that I became aware of plagiarism checkers and uh, free plagiarism checkers that were available where I think you could like submit 500 words or something at a time. Mm, yeah. And because, as I said, I was like very new to writing in English and writing um, academic essays in general, I thought, oh my God, I better check, use that. I was so worried that I would accidentally plagiarize. Um, so I think I did... <laughs> put or copy a little bit into a plagiarism checker um, but then someone told me no you should really not do that because um, if it's then submitted there um, it might actually be uh, sorry in the going out in the internet and then the university plagiarism checkers they might pick up on that and see oh this um, might highlight the sections as plagiarized from something that I um, submitted um, yeah. and these free free checkers so then I never did it again <laughs> and I was absolutely fine because I think yeah really if you do stick are really consistent about all the things that we said like make really sure you put the references in as you write um, do not copy uh, sentences or wordings um, and if you do so mark it um, for you highlight the text so that you know you have to go back to it so it doesn't get lost really from the from the very beginning and then you've got to be absolutely fine yeah and you know going back to that point you know it's really being very careful about the services you use you know it's that old saying if something is free then usually it's too good to be true and you are the product right and often with these free plagiarism checkers it's very often that the data is stored outside of your home country so you know you might not have the kind of same privacy protections um, and as you say it can end up triggering plagiarism warnings but there are some paid for services which do have that kind of reputation you know they do have the proper um, privacy protections in place if you really really want to you can use that so for example Grammarly offers one uh, plagiarism checker it's a good service it's paid for again um, and of course Turnitin is available I'm not sure if students are able to access Turnitin um, but I did know of one student who did somehow it was able to okay. go on Turnitin and, and do it themselves it's up to you but as you said I think if you stick to those mm. rules um, then you're going to be absolutely fine and I think Julia you know when we see these reports from Turnitin um, it's actually yeah so you have to explain yeah. so when when you now when we're in the position where we mark students then we can see how much overlap or how much um, yeah overlap or how would you say it um, was like similar content uh, or being picked up by these plagiarism checkers and it's actually 10 to 20 percent is actually normal because obviously you will be referencing lots of things and there will be some similarity but i think um it's as a marker it's very obvious um whether someone did or did not plagiarize um so yeah 
it will be checked you be be sure of that your university will check for it um but um it will be absolutely fine if you really stick to um all the rules that we just outline yeah exactly there's an element of sense checking it isn't mm. there and a little bit of kind of common sense which goes into analyzing that report so that is an in-depth look at plagiarism so hopefully that's given you plenty of hopefully reassurance that as long as you're doing the right things of referencing doing the right things of paraphrasing using direct quotes sparingly but giving them the quotes and uh, the page numbers and also you know using tips around sort of avoiding self-plagiarizing um, and using a range of sources then hopefully you'll be absolutely fine and you should realize that plagiarism is nothing to worry about So we come to the end of another show and Julia, I'm going to throw it to you as for your kind of final parting thought of the episode. <laughs> Putting me under pressure with that ending tip that you invented. <laughs> no, but um, I think if you are in the position where you think like, oh my God, I'm really worried now um, that you haven't been keeping so much track of the references and just been writing freely but forgot to put them in, don't freak out at this point still hopefully time that you can just read through your drafts again with a careful eye maybe you can even ask a colleague to do it and see where references are missing and then just trying again to if you haven't done so yet to just try find a reference and if you then see all oh, the wording was quite closely to the original text then just giving another try um and rewrite it and i think by by the end of the thesis as well i don't know how you felt about it but i felt i had been it has been going through so many drafts and many different supervisors had given their comments so by the time i think um that, that i submitted my thesis i had revised so many times that i was not really worried about that there was anything original <laughs> from um, other sources in there anymore yeah very I wise that gives some reassurance so yeah don't freak out don't <laughs> freak out it's very wise words anyway so thank you so much for listening to how to phd as always please do share this episode with anyone who you think could be worried about plagiarism uh, as always if you enjoy listening to how to phd then please support us by leaving a review over on apple Podcasts or on spotify or you can go to howtophd.show and leave a small donation through buy me a coffee and thank you as always to everyone who has left so generously left a donation over on there uh, contact at howtophd.show uh, is the email address we love hearing from you one-to-one -one at howtophd.show for the one-to-one -one service uh, x and instagram at howtophdshow all places you can get in touch and please do continue to engage with us there we really enjoy uh, hearing from the listeners and it's always so rewarding so I think that is everything. So have a wonderful week and we will see you all next time.